Boast in the Lord. That's the big, uh, the big thing that we've been seeing in our, in our time and our studying through 1 Corinthians is to boast in the Lord. Uh, the reason is because we were made to worship Jesus. That was the big idea. Like we have been made and created by God to worship him, worship King Jesus. And so that's what we've done today. We've done that through singing. Now we get the privilege and honor to, to worship through hearing God's word. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Take it, uh, keep it, read it. Um, it's about Jesus. That's who we're here to worship. That's our boast. And so you're going to hear that again today in our text. And so we've been studying uh, this great book, 1 Corinthians, written by a man who was, whose name, his name is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was not a Christian. So if you're here today and, you were not, and you're not a Christian, uh, that's how Paul started. That's how we all started, actually. But the Apostle Paul was a, a persecutor of Christians. Like He didn't like Jesus, didn't like the church, and wanted to shut it down. And we're going to see today that there is great punishment for those who would seek to destroy God's church. Uh, we're going to get to there. But that, that was where Paul was. He was a destroyer of God's church. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, that, that's what his, his goal and objective was. But Jesus saved him. And so uh, that's our hope and prayer that if you don't know Jesus, that, that you'd be saved by him today. That, we really do want to see that. It's a, it's a great privilege and honor to call God Father. And we do that through the b- believing and trusting in the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He died in your place for your sins. And so that's who we're worshiping. That's the name that must be praised. And that's the, the name that all glor- glory and honor are given. And so we are here today, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We, picked, we left off halfway through verse 9 of chapter 3. So it says this. This is the first thing we're going to see today. You are God's building. Uh, what do I mean by that? It says this, uh, verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, uh, you are God's field, God's building. So last week we looked at the metaphor of a field. We looked at the metaphor of the field, and so this week we're looking at the metaphor of, of, of building. So the field we looked at last week was, we, we heard this metaphor explained uh, in various ways, but, but the, the author, the Apostle Paul says, I planted, he, he planted, because uh, uh, it's a field, uh, the uh, Apollos, one of the other pastors, watered, and he said, but, but ultimately it was God who was causing the growth. God who caused the growth. That, that's why our boast is in the Lord. It's God who, who, who causes the growth. So he says, he who plants and he who water, they're one and they're nothing. But God's everything. It's not about you. It's not about me. At the end of this, like, it doesn't matter if you remember my name or could quote anything I say. It's like, do you know who Jesus is? Is Jesus doing work in your heart, in your mind, in your life? Is your boast in him? Or is your boast in other people and other things or what other people can do for you? Uh, we, we were made to boast in the Lord. That's where the greatest freedom is. And so Paul is, is, is urging this church to, hey, they, they've divided up teams. They had their favorite pastors, their favorite community group leaders, their favorite people. And they have everyone going, I, I like those guys. And they want to be uh, uh, honored by association. They want to feel, they want to boast in their association with other famous pastors. They're like, oh, I'm friends with the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 books of the Bible. That's my team. And then you're like, I'm, I'm, Apollo, I'm with team Apollos because, you know, he's a better preacher than Paul. But the Bible says he seems to be a little more eloquent. And so they just have teams. And Paul wants this church, this young church, about 50 to 80 people, to understand that their boast cannot be in man. It must be in God. So it doesn't matter if you're planting seeds or watering uh, the, the, the seeds. It's God who causes the growth. And so today we turn our attention to this analogy of, of a building. This metaphor of a building. And so it's the same principle. It's the same principle. It's God who, who's working in and through his people to build his kingdom on earth as it, as it is in heaven. And so Paul is getting, he's getting at, at the work. Um, and he wants these, the, this church to, to do work, to get stuff done. That's what he wants. He's getting at the work that they ought to be doing. 
Last week we saw that they're not doing the work that they ought to be doing. They're not planting. They're not watering. They're complaining. They're picking teams. They're sleeping around. They're acting, as he said last week, like non-Christians. He wants them to act like the blood-bought Christians whom they are. So he's calling them not to, to earn something, but he's calling them to be who God has already made them to be. They're saved. They've been adopted. He's called them saints. He's like, now act like it. That was the big takeaway last week. So as as an analogy and metaphor continue, we look at a building. And so uh, the the next thing we see is that it takes skillful building. Like God is is not just wanting to, you know, put up uh, buildings that, you know, fall apart. You know, that like modern America, our our, our craftsmanship tend to be just uh, hope it lasts a few years. God's about building things that last a salvation that lasts for eternity. So he says it this way, according in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. And let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's, he is calling for skillful building. But first we must see that there's a foundation. Every building has a foundation. And he's saying the foundation in this church, uh, in all churches, is, is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. And every building needs a foundation, needs a solid foundation. And so if, you're, if you have a foundation, uh, and if, you're, if your faith is built on any foundation that's not Christ, it will crumble. It will crumble. Jesus even speaks to it this way. He says, there's a man who builds his house upon a rock and on sand. When the storm comes, the man who builds his house on sand, what happens? The, 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 the building crumbles. And so if you build your house or you build your faith on anything other than Jesus, when trial comes, when a storm comes, when you are tested, it will be proven that your faith is is built on, on, on something that was not Jesus. It will falter and it will fail. And so Paul is saying, hey, I didn't come in and, and, and build on and lay a foundation that wasn't legit. I, I made a legit foundation. It's Jesus. Jesus was the foundation. He talked about it uh, in, in chapters prior that, that he came preaching Jesus, Jesus Christ crucified. He is very clear that it's all and always about Jesus. So that's the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. He's the only solid foundation. He's our only hope in life and death. It is, that is the great gospel that we cling to so dearly. Our foundation is Jesus. And he says he, he's skillfully built upon it. He, he's laying that foundation. He does so like a skilled master builder. The word here uh, used in the Greek is translated in our English word as, as architect. So he's architecting something. He's building a church. He's architecting, engineering type of uh, church. He's a, a master craftsman. Or uh, the Greek word, uh, uh, while translated to architect, sometimes would mean uh, supervisor or overseer, which is where we get the term, you know, where, we, where we also see that the, the, the elders of the church are overseeing the, the project of the building of Christ's kingdom in the local church in every sphere and place that God has called us to do so. There's an oversight that Paul is overseeing as a master craftsman, this architect who's, who's, who's implementing a design designed by God in order for, for the, the church to, to flourish. So people got to meet Jesus. People got to be discipled. They got to get trained up. And what we're seeing throughout this letter, he's writing to them and he's correcting and cleaning up some stuff. 
Later he's going to clean up some stuff about how, how they do worship service. So he, he's architecting and engineering the entire project. He's overseeing it and he's helping this church, this young church, be put together right. We've all been a part of buildings, and we've all seen buildings that have not been architectured or engineered well, correct? You've ever been in a building like, man, that doesn't look like it's going to stay. Man, that foundation looks like it's cracked. Oh, man, that doesn't, those walls are, are, are leaning. There's separation between those walls and the floor. That's not good. I mean, rodents are coming in. Uh, the roof has a big old hole in it, you know. I, I've, I've lived in houses like this. I have. I've been in buildings like this. This is, I, I get so frustrated uh, from time to time, and I have been. You know, you, you see people come in, and they, they're doing a job. They're supposed to do the job and fix the house or fix the project, and they, they're lazy. They cut corners. You know, they, they, they're supposed to build the fence a certain way, and then they don't measure it. Frustrating. Frustrating. Right? It's, and so you've been in, 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 in environments where you've been like, man, they took shortcuts, and now we're paying for it later. Correct? Some of you, you're like, if I admit I've taken some shortcuts in my life and I'm paying for it. Like, right, that, that's, we, we understand this. Well, Paul's saying, hey, I didn't take no shortcuts when I came in here and built this church. When, when God called me to this, I worked hard. I, I laid a foundation. I made it clear. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about Apollos. It wasn't about anyone else. It was about Jesus. And so I'm going to structure and engineer this thing to where it, the boast is in Christ. I'm going to oversee this project, and right now, the, the, the project workers, the church in Corinth, y'all aren't doing your job, so I'm writing to you to, clean, to, to, to do things differently. That's what he's doing. And so the, every church needs to be architectured and engineered well, just like a home, just like a building needs to for its flourishing, for its longevity. And so Paul is writing, and he's speaking, and I want you to see he's speaking from his perspective, and he wants this young church to see that. He's telling them that there's a, there's a type of work that sometimes you've got to work on the church, not just in the church. It's a, it's a reality. Sometimes you've got to work on the church, just like, not just in the church, just like your home. If you have a, own a home, like you, sometimes you've got to work on the home, right? Not just, yeah, you live in it. Praise God. It's awesome. But in order for you to uh, uh, live in it for a long time and for it to be uh, a blessing to more people... For a long time, you got to do some stuff around the house. You got to work on the house, work on the building so that that building is around for the future, correct? You ever selling a house, you're like, get ready, you're like, I'm going to work on it so that I can, I can sell it. But, but, but this is the reality that there oftentimes, even in an organization, even in a church, we don't think that the work, there's sometimes that there's work that needs to be done, architected on the church, not just in the church. And so uh, there's elders too, who are supposed to, who are to oversee part of that work. That's part of what Paul's doing. He's overseeing the architecture, the planning of the church. Did you know that uh, churches are nonprofits that have to submit to the laws? Fun fact. You've got to know laws. You don't know nonprofit law. You've got to know. There's things you've got to know. You're like, they don't, seminary doesn't teach you. No, 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 there's no Bible education books really on this stuff. There are things that you've got to know in order to keep the church and organization legal so that it can stay around long term so that it can continue to be a blessing and flourishing for people. You know, we've got to pay taxes. Yeah, we do that. We do that. We've got to pay other, if you have employees, you've got to pay their taxes. Like, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stuff you've got to do in order to allow the organization to function properly. So if you're not able to step back and work on the, the church and on the ministry, then, then, then the flourishing can't happen in the ministry. This is why us as elders, like we, 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 have, we, we divide up the work differently. 
See, Pastor Alex spends a lot of time, most of his time working in the church. Why well, divide my time, and I'm, I'm working more on the church and in the church, but I have to step back and, and architect, work, plan, strategize in, on the church so that we can have a church that's around long term. So there's this working on the church, and there's working in the church, and so you have elders who are overseeing, deacons who are serving the body, members who are responding to their leadership, all together working together as one big building crew for the kingdom of heaven. And he says that, Paul says when he says he's building, he's not doing it in his own strength. He does tell you, though, he is a master builder. I love this. Like, he says, I'm pretty good at it. Again, here's the, here's the, here's the problem. I was talking to someone recently, and we're, we're talking about, um, uh, like, when pastors, a pastor, a pastor says, hey, I'm really good at my job. Like, you're like, dude's arrogant. But if he says, hey, I'm not good at my job, you're like, I'm not going to him. Like, hey, I'm really bad at counseling. Is your marriage falling apart? I have a counseling ministry. You're like, not going to that guy. But if he's like, I'm really good at counseling, you're like, dude, such an arrogant guy. What is this guy saying? Paul, he does it this way. He goes, according to the grace of God. According to God's grace. And that he's given me. Like a skillful, skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. I I am good at my job, Paul's saying, but it's not because of me. God has just been good to me. God has been gracious to me. God has empowered me. God has equipped me to do this particular job. And it's a job of laying this foundation. It's a job of which he talked to last week about planting. Paul's a, a planter. Apollo's really great at watering. He's, a, he's good at tending to what's been planted. But Paul is the guy who tills the field, gets everything ready, puts the seed in. Then other workers come along after him, and they, 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 they water the field. And then still, after the crop is, is growing, there's others who come in and, and reap and get to play a part of, 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 of taking the crops and dividing the crops and washing the crops and, and, and then distributing the crops. And then someone else gets the, the great privilege of enjoying and eating the crops. It's a, it's a team. I want you to see, this is what he's talking about, the church. We, the church, the Corinthians, the church, he says that they're, they're, they're on one team. It's one building, and God is the, Jesus is the foundation. And Paul has a job, but so do the members of the church. And he says, this, he says it this way. He says, let each one pay attention to how they build. He's saying, you're the building crew. You're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm the consumer. No, that's not, there's no such thing. There's no such thing in the scriptures that there's the consumer Christian. That's not a thing. You're either built, you're either part of the, the oversight committee, you're, you're a servant of the church, or you're like building, you're part of the building crew. There's no like observers on the sideline watching everyone build. Like that's been my whole life. I know. Stop. That's what he's saying. There's no such thing. You are the building. That's what he says. Just as he says, you're the field. And what he is saying is that you must, you must let each one take care how he builds upon it. You're like, well, I'm not building anything. It's like the guy in the, it's like one of the dudes in the parable, the first guy in the parable of the, of the talents. He buries his talent, does nothing. Remember that? Pastor Alex preached on the beginning of the year. That dude, when Jesus comes back, he's not very happy with him. Like, I did nothing. Depart from me, you wicked servant. Like, that's what he heard. 
There's no I do nothing Christians. You're part of the crew. I need you to see this. This, this is not just, the, the analogies are right here is you're part of the building crew, but you're also part of the family. That's another analogy. You're part of Jesus' family. Like, he adopted you, brought you into the family. You were not one of his kids. Now you're part of the family. You were, a rebel, you were in, in rebellion against him. You were an orphan in running far from him, dead in your trespasses and sin. Didn't want to have to do anything to do with God. And he loved you so much that he came after you, rescued you, adopted you. When no one else would adopt you, he adopted you. It's not just that you just got some guy to adopt you. You got the, the, the God the Savior of the world to adopt you, to bring you into his family. And now that you're in his family, he says, man, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to serve you. I'm going I'm to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to forgive your sins. You're a part of the family. And we also, guess what? This family has, we do chores. We got work to do. We're actually building a whole kingdom. And it's coming from heaven. And it's on earth. And it's being established here on earth. And Jesus is looking at you going, hey, I'm the king. You're, you're, you're part of the king, your king's family. And the king has work for you to do. But it's a part of building the kingdom. Like you get to be a part of building a kingdom. For any of you who ever like played a video game, this should make you really, really excited. Like this is it. You're doing it in real life. If you ever been on a sports team and you're like, our team won, you know, praise God. You're on a team that eternally wins. It's awesome. Everything, every movie, every sporting event, everything you see in human history is just a picture or a shadow that's pointing to this great reality that we are meant to be a part of exercising dominion, ruling like God, as, just like Adam and Eve were supposed to do in the garden. But we sinned and rebelled against him. He adopted us back on the team, but he has the same mission. This is, this is awesome. We're a part of kingdom building. Like Literally. And so this is where he's talking to this, this, this church, and they're not doing kingdom building. They are sitting on the sidelines getting drunk at communion. That's literally what they're doing. Like, they have, they're, they're not participating. And Paul's writing to them. He's like, guys, guys, I, I'm not the one who builds it. I have a role. Apollos has a role. Peter has a role. Y'all have a role. We all have roles. We're one team with one mission. With one king. So it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. You're the building crew. Together, we are building the church. And you just see this. So Paul wants them to see that their work matters. And this is it's far too often that, that as Christians, we don't, we don't think that our work matters. We don't think, oh, only the guys on stage, their work matters. Or, oh, only if you have a title, you know, that their work matters. Like, no, if you are, are a Christian, Jesus has saved you, your work matters. And so your work matters not only for the glory of God, but for the good and flourishing of others. In this church and in the city, God's desire is that there would be lasting, eternal impact. Not just temporary building that, that you just howl someone for a day. This isn't like camping this is strategic, long-lasting, church-building, and guess what? It's hard. It's actually really hard. It's really hard. It's, it, it, if you've ever seen, you know, none of us, I mean, probably most of you, uh, have not, like, planted, uh, uh, you know, crops in, in a massive farm or field. 
Like, it's probably not what you do normally. Like, I, sh- I talked about last week, we struggle to keep any plants alive in our house. It really just, you know, we struggle in the planting department. So, you know, it's just real. It's hard work. So the analogy of building a home or building a building or planting a garden or planting, you know, a field is not easy work. He's not using analogies that, that, that we should just go, oh, that's, that sounds pretty doable. He's like, no, this is really, really, really hard work. Kingdom building can be discouraging. Well, imagine you were a farmer and you had a whole, whole field of crops, a whole field, and someone lit the field on fire and you lost all your crops. How devastating would that be? Devastating, correct? Guess what? In the history of farming, that has happened. What about a tornado? What about uh, just, just violent winds or rain that, that, or cold that just ruined crops or drought or famine? These things happen and happen frequently throughout human history. Planting a, a farm or a vineyard or, or any sort of crops is hard. Planting a church, building a church, establishing the kingdom here on earth is hard. It's exhausting. Sometimes people come in and they want to burn your church down. Not the physical building, but they, just like someone wants to burn the crops. There's a real enemy. There's, there's a real t- attack. There's real just natural events that happen that just clean things out. There's hard seasons. There's fruitful seasons. There's exhausting seasons. There's rewarding seasons. And that's what I want to look at next. There is a reward. And so while it can be discouraging, Paul now turns his attention to, to, to reward, to reward. He says, faithful obedience, there's a reward. There's a reward for faithful obedience. And so he says it this way, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be, become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire that will test what sort of work each one has done. If the, work has, if, the work, if the work that anyone has built on foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's talking about the building on this foundation, this, this kingdom culture that's being built. And he, he talks about a, a, a faithful obedience is rewarded. He talks about different materials, right? He talks about gold, silver, precious stones. And he talks about wood, hay, straw. Uh, the gold, silver, precious stones, those are the, the things that will last. The wood, hay, and straw through fire get burned up. So he's talking, he's, he's saying materials matter here. How you build matters. And so we, like we've, we spoke to, when you've seen a poorly constructed, poorly engineered building, uh, it, that, 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 that building just doesn't last a long time. When tested, it, it falls apart. And so in return, because of our culture, this, this build it quick, let's not, let's, not, let's not do it for the long term. This, this house, we're just going to do a bunch of track houses and, you know, hopefully, you know, people will buy them and we're going to spend a lot less time on it. There'll be a lot cheaper, uh, not a lot of resources, not a lot of longevity in it. I'm not saying if you live in it, that's, I'm just saying that's just how we think about mass produce things in our nation, mass produce it and, and, and don't really, uh, you know, inch deep, mile wide type thing. And so he's saying that's not what we do. We don't do things that way. We don't take shortcuts. We build churches to last. 
But it's often you see in the context of church because of our consumerism and we want things now and want things big, fast. We just, we take, we want to take shortcuts. What's going to get the most people in? What's going to get the people most excited? Everyone's complaining about this, so let's switch that. It's like, you know, people treat church as like a country club. Like you're just paying members and you just, you know, whatever they want, we do. That's not the, the scripture. It says you're the, you're the building. You're the one building it. You're taking your orders from Jesus. We construct things his way because he's the one who will reward. What, how you build matters. The architect's saying, hey, here's how, we, here's how it's designed. Here's how the building's going up. Uh, this is what the door's going to look like. Here's what the, ce- the ceiling's, here's how everything's going to look like. And the building crew's like, nah, we're going to do it differently. They won't have a job. You don't just go against the, the, the owner of the whole thing. Jesus is the owner of the church. It's his kingdom. He wants it built a certain way. He wants the gold, silver, precious stones. He's like, no, wood, hay, straw. Nuh-uh. That's not what he's saying. He does, he's saying, don't take shortcuts. Build the church God's way. Now, I will make a point here that, uh, especially in our city with, uh, you know, the, the influence of Roman Catholicism, this is a verse that uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church will use to um, say that this shows in the Bible that there's purgatory. And what, what they mean by is, you know, uh, you know, you'll be tested through fire, that there's a season you must go through and suffer a little bit, and then, but hey, you'll make it into heaven and it'll be good. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's literally, we, we see in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 8, that to be absent from the body is to be home with the Lord, meaning no purgatory. Uh, also, he, we're told that in, in Hebrews 9, we're told that uh, it's, it's appointed that a man die once and then face judgment. So immediately, there's a judgment. And that's what he's speaking to. He, but he's saying that there's this fire that's, that's, that's not a, a one of judgment towards condemnation. This is a judgment that is testing. It's very clear. He says the fire will test which sort of work. This is not hell, the fire of hell uh, where, where you will experience judgment apart from Jesus. That's another fire, but this fire is fire of testing. Testing the, 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 the materials that, that were used to build Jesus' his church, his kingdom. And so he's saying that it'll be, it'll be tested. If it's wood, hay, straw, it's going to get burned up. But gold, silver, precious stones, they will last the testing. And so he says, he who, if his work lasts, he receives a reward. He receives a reward. And if he doesn't, then it is burned up. But praise be to God, we're not saved by our works. You still get in the kingdom. You're still in heaven. You still get to, to be with Jesus, reigning with him forever. But his point here is that you should be concerned about how you're building, how you're participating, how you're playing a part of King Jesus' work here on earth, particularly here in the city, in our church. He says there's rewards in heaven, but I want you to see he's not saying that there's these works um, are, 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 are for salvation. He's not saying they're for salvation. There is reward for our works, but it is not, works do not earn our salvation. Let's be clear. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tells us this. It won't be on the screen, so you can just take note of this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, so that no man can boast. And he continues the verse 10. He says, we are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to walk in. The works have been prepared. He's already prepared them. There they are. Walk in them. We, we do works not to earn our way into heaven. It's because we are citizens of heaven. It's just part of the family. It's the, it's the chores of the kingdom. God has prepared works for us to do. And it's our job to walk in them. Paul wants them to do what God has commanded. God wants us, our, this church, to do what God has commanded. Great Commission, we're to observe or obey all that Christ has commanded. We're not just saved to wait till Jesus comes back and like, okay, we waited and now we're here. No, God wants us to play a part of building his kingdom. And see, he rewards faithful obedience. I need you to see this. This can be a struggle for many who just, when you hear reward, you think about earning something. No, it's, it's because you're part of the king's family that there is a reward for you if you do what he says. Matthew 6, I'm not going to go through, I'm turn there, but I'm going, to let, I'm going to just remind you. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about giving. He says when you give, in, you give to the needy, you will be rewarded when done in secret. If you're going out, you know, and everyone, hey, look at everyone on Instagram, look at all the, all the stuff I'm doing, how much I'm helping everybody. He says that's your reward. Your reward is the praise of man. If you want the praise of Jesus, you do it in secret. That's all he tells us to give in, in, in Matthew 6. Prayer. He says the same thing. The Pharisees go out and on the street corners and they yell their prayers out loud. And he says, don't pray like that. They're hypocrites. Go into your closet and pray in secret. And your father who hears in secret will reward you. That's what he tells you to do. There's reward for prayer. He says the same thing regarding fasting. Don't act like, you know, you're, you're so gloomy and so sick. And, now, oh, man, I, I, my face is so dreary because I haven't eaten. And you're, you're telling everyone, how many days? yeah, it's been six days. I'm on this, you know, fast. And for Jesus, you know, it's just like, no. He says, do that in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. He talks about the same thing for serving Christian and, 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 and church, regular Christians and church leaders and prophets and people in the church. He's, he says there is a reward there for serving, for fasting, for giving, for prayer. It's clear. There is a reward. How many Christians see, you, you get to it and you're like, man, I don't want to give to the needy. I don't want to pray for, you just get all weirded out. I don't want to do this for a reward. Feels not legit. Well, it was legit enough for Jesus to say it. We got to get our, 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 our attitude wrapped around the Bible. Our affections need to be affected by the Bible. If you, he is telling us here, build something that will receive a reward that will last. Period. That's what he is saying. Build something, church, that, that, that would make the Lord proud. And you know how you're going to do that? Through generous giving. Prayer, because you need God's help. In secret, in private, but you need God's help. Additionally, fasting, begging God to do something that only he could do. So you're like, I need you to work, God, so I'm going to give up some food so I can focus on prayer. Because I need you to do your work. It's your kingdom. It's got to be established through you. Therefore, serving, we got to do some work. I want to see 
this work lasts for a long time, so I'm going to be about giving. I'm going to be about praying. I'm going to be about fasting. I'm going to be about serving. And, I've, and, I can, and I can go to the bank that there is a reward for this revealed through the Scriptures. Jesus says it. I need you to know God's a Father who loves you, and he created this world for you. Like the heavens and the earth, which declare the glory of God, were created so that you could look at them and be in awe. The trees, the magnificent trees, the lands, the, the, the seas, the birds, the animals that, that were created by God to bring glory to his name and you to enjoy them. We went through the whole book of Genesis and we're very clear on this. God created this for our enjoyment. And he wants to reward us like a good father. And we're told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you're going to give, give in faith. You're going to pray, pray in faith. You're going to fast, fast in faith. You're going to serve, you serve in faith. If you, do, you give to earn, not pleasing to God. You pray to earn, not pleasing to God. You fast to earn, not pleasing to God. You, you, you serve to earn, not, giving to God, or not, 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 not pleasing to God. What I mean earn is like you're trying to manipulate God for your own glory, for your own pleasure, the, the glory that's due Jesus' name. But if you, in faith, I'm going to give and say, God, I'm giving this, and God, I, I, I ask that you multiply it. You do something with, with what I'm giving, whether it be my time, my talent, my treasure. You multiply this in a way that it's clear that the glory is given to your name. When I pray and I'm asking for things, and when you're praying and you're asking for things, you're doing it in faith that, God, I want to see this happen. I want to see your name be made much of. I want to see this person healed, this person saved, that person provided for, your, your kingdom to stretch in this part of the city, that coworker to come to know Jesus. I want you to do this not for the fame of my name, but for the fame and renown of your name, King Jesus. This is your kingdom. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to go in secret where you hear me in secret because I really, 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 really love them, and I really, 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 really want them to meet you and know you. And so I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to, to, to plead with you so that they would be saved or, or that sin would be overcome or that addiction I would be freed from or that person would be healed or that person would be set free or that, or that whatever it is, a part of the kingdom that you're looking to play your part in and you're building and you're going to the prayer closet, going to the secret spot and asking God to do what only he can do and you do so in faith. It's pleasing to God. Like, well, I don't feel anything when I walk out of there. Well, you have verses that tell you it's pleasing to God. Believe the verses. Same thing with serving. Same thing with fasting. When you serve the church, do you do so in faith? God, I'm here to serve the church. I'm about to pass out some Bibles. It seems like weird walking down the aisles. You ever thought, think about when you're passing a Bible that maybe you give someone a Bible and they don't know Jesus later, they read it and they get saved? None of y'all thought of that. You just don't think like that. We don't think like that. I'm not condemning you, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, you held the door open for someone. You were a greeter. You were an usher. Or maybe you listened online before you got here, and those who played a part in the I Am It music and production played a part of, of you hearing the message of the gospel. Well, your kids get to hear about Jesus, and they walk out of there with, with some homework and some exercise for you to, help, to, to, to disciple them. That everywhere you serve in this church is playing a part of kingdom building. 
That's, that, that we're seeking to do something that's eternal, that's long-lasting, that's not just a flash in the pan. And therefore, as we endeavor to do it, and, we, and it's going to take generous giving, it's going to take prayer, lots of it. It's going to take us maybe seasons of fasting, and it's certainly going to take service. When we do so, we must do so in faith, trusting that it is God who works in and through us for his own pleasure. That's what he's saying. That, that our works have been predestined, that God has set them aside for us to do. We are to walk in them, but walk in them through faith. Everything that's done in faith pleases God. And so we must, that's what, we, that's what Paul's getting at. The works that flow from faith include everything in the scriptures that please God. That are part of his kingdom priorities and are part of advancing his mission in this world. So you're like, all right, I'm in. What's the reward? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not clear. It's not clear. In next chapter, in chapter 4, we're told that uh, it's potentially praise from God. It's literally chapter 4, verse 5 says praise from God. Maybe it's just uh, like in Matthew 25, maybe it really is like hearing well done, good and faithful servant. And receiving commendation from the king. How many of you, I don't know what job you're at, but like, what if the CEO of your company came up to you in your office in your cubicle and said, hey man, you're doing a really good job. Hey, bang up job, you're doing pretty good. You'd be like, dang, that's pretty nice. Unless you're the CEO, you're like, man, I wish someone would tell me that. Right? You're like, it's just, it, we were made to be affirmed in praise. This is why we have such an affirmation craze in our culture that affirms sin because we need affirmation. Human beings were made to hear, well done, we're proud of you, thankful for you. Problem is we've submitted ourselves to all types of godless things and we're looking for praise and pleasure apart from the king. When here, the reward very well may be just simply this, pleasure from King Jesus, he's delighted in you, delighted in the work you've done, proud of you, well done, good and faithful servant. Additionally, the imagery could be from uh, Revelation 14, 13, that, that talks about the, the after faithful Christians have died in, in heaven, in, in the new heavens and new earth, that, that their good deeds pass with them through. Meaning this, uh, and, uh, meaning this, like the work you're doing now is not in vain. For example, the people you minister to now, if they're non-Christians and you're, you're, do, you're, you're sharing the gospel with them, uh, you, you want them, you're, you're being hospitable, you're, you're loving, you're serving, you're caring for them in this life, and they come to know Jesus, but you don't get to see it. You know, they leave, you've planted, you've watered, but they, they, God calls it the growth in another city. When the new heavens and new earth, you're going to see them in heaven. You're gonna be, they're going to be with you. You're going to be like, What? Dude, that's awesome. You might not know till you see them on the other side of eternity that your work in the present is of any eternal value. Your reward is coming on that day where you get to go, you made it. You believed. You were a heretic when I met you last. Now you're a Christian? How did that work? Tell me about it. Imagine the Apostle Paul, all the people he killed. Like he killed, and, and Stephen is praying Heaven's open. Stephen is getting, about to get killed and stoned. Paul's over there guarding the jackets like some weirdo. Like he, and he's just watching, overseeing the stoning, uh, the murder of 
the deacon of the church and preacher of the gospel, Stephen, he gets murdered and executed publicly. Paul's watching and going, yep, that's what we're supposed to do. And he's praying. Peter, or, or, or Stephen is literally praying for them. Forgive them, Lord, he says. But they don't know what they're doing. He forgive them. Boom. Later, Paul gets saved. He, I just imagine what it's like for, for Stephen and Paul when they reunited. He's like, bro, I'm so sorry. He's like, don't worry about it. I got to heaven first. It was awesome. Like the reward, it's coming. How, who are you praying for? Who are you ministering to? Who are you longing to come to faith? That if you, don't, if you were to cease and stop, as if God's not hearing your prayers, God's not the one who rewards faith, that God is not pleased, you, you, if that's the way you're working, you will give up. Work for the reward. There is a reward. Long for that day. Then the, then the Christian, who are you discipling? Who are you putting your time and effort and energy in? And you're like, man, they're not maturing. They're not getting it. They're still doing stupid stuff. They're not grateful. They're not thankful. And you're just struggling. You need to know, too, that your reward may be not seen in this life, but it may be experienced in the life to come. But you might get to see it. You might get to see your friends saved. You might get to see the person sanctified, grow, mature. You might get to see it. And if you do it, if you, if you endeavor about the king's business with enough people, you get to see it. I can tell you, I'm, I see it. You see the work of maturity in the believer. You see the conversion of the lost. You see the kingdom work being rewarded here on earth and in heaven. And so how are you building? How are you building? What type of energy are you building? How are you evangelizing? How are you discipling? Are you building with faith or are you begrudgingly working, apathetically, lazily, not at all? I need you to work in faith. I need you to labor in faith. I need you to build in faith. Faithful obedience will be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. Don't give up. Don't give up. Like you should be laboring in such a way that when, 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 when in, in your prayer life should be like, God, help me build, help me labor, help me serve in such a way that it leads lasting impact. I want to do the stuff with the, the, the gold, the silver, the precious stones. I want to I be about your kingdom. And the Bible is clear about what pleases him and what work we ought to be doing. So I want to submit to it. I want to do it. I want to obey it because I love my father and he loves me. And some of you may feel like at this moment, you're like, man, I missed a lot of opportunities. I feel like I've squandered my time. I feel like I've squandered my resources. I'm real frustrated at myself. And I just see all the work that I've left undone. And I'm just real, I'm just anxious. Some of you may be scared. You're like, I'm scared to now face the king. I mean, I've squandered half my life. I need you to understand this. That there is no condemnation, Romans 8.1, for those who are in Christ Jesus, Period. You don't graduate from that verse. Like, so the same grace that saved you is the only grace that will sustain you. So what some of you need, you may feel discouraged. You're like, I've squandered. I'm not a good steward. I'm not really running the race well. Like, you know, a lot has happened, and I'm just looking at the fruit, and I'm just going, man, I, I, I might have been doing a lot of wood and a lot of hay. I got a lot done, but it's just going to all get burned up. And that's how you feel. And you're like, just, you just feel real discouraged right now. I need you to rem- remember that one, even if it does get burned up, you're still saved. 
The fire will test it. The fire will burn it up. You're right. But you're still a child of God. And there's no condemnation. See, some of you are reading into this that, that, that when you're not rewarded, you're assuming that you're being punished. Right? You're assuming that you're being condemned. And what he's saying is he's trying to get the church to go, hey, I need you to build stuff that's going to last. I need you to work for the kingdom as if it's for the kingdom, not for you. The boast isn't in you. The boast is in the king. Do things God's way. Do things God's way. God is a loving father. He wants you to be encouraged to keep doing the work. Even if you got some wood and you got some hay, which we all probably do, probably more than we even think of it. Remember, if you're being discouraged right now that there's no condemnation, may the same grace that saved you sustain you now and compel you and propel you forward to continue to be about the king's business because Jesus loves his church. That's what's next. He loves his church. So should you. So if you're feeling like, man, I have loved myself, not the church, all right, do the things that Jesus loves. Just love his church. He says it this way, do you not know that you are God's temple? So he switches the analogy again from a building to a temple. He, he has the imagery here of Solomon's temple, Old Testament. Uh, and he says uh, that you're God's temple, that the spirit, God's spirit dwells in, in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. So if you're into like making a mess of churches, you should probably stop. God will destroy you. Like, like that's a verse where you're like, man, what is he? That, yeah, he's saying that. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about the church collectively here. Later, he's going to use the, he's going to talk about individuals, about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and to flee from sexual immorality. Right now, he's talking about the church, the, 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 the Corinthian church, our church, the church. The church, you are God's temple. So Jesus loves his church, and therefore will punish those who seek to harm it, and the people in it. This is why Paul writes with, with vicious intent towards wolves who would come in to divide the sheep. Like you shoot wolves, you don't cuddle them. That's what the scriptures say. And Jesus, the good shepherd, will defend us and stand the ground. He's saying those who want to come in and mess up with churches, so this, is, this is where you, you got to be cautious. So many Christians want to fight churches Disrupt groups, start little cliques. Don't do that. That's what they're doing here, right? Team Paul, Team Apollos, Team Cephas, right? They got the teams. He's saying, don't do that. You're acting like someone who God wants to destroy. Bad idea, church. Don't do that. So we see that Jesus loves his church so much that he's willing to punish and will punish those who seek to harm it or the people in it. And that's where you got to see. If, if Paul didn't convert and trust Jesus, Paul, the apostle, would have been destroyed. Jesus himself would have destroyed him, personally punished him, eternally, forever. And you just see this. Jesus loves his church so much that he willfully, personally gave his life, died in your place for your sins. To reject that means that he will personally pour out his wrath on you eternally. He will destroy you forever for rejecting him when he was rejected for you, period. That's the gospel. You're like, what about the bad people? Well, the writer of this book, the Apostle Paul, is a bad person just like all of us, but he killed Christians. 
Jesus loved him so much, too, just like he loves you, and he loves his church so much that Paul was killing Christians and shutting churches down. And so Jesus personally, after personally dying in Paul's place for his sins, personally shows up and knocks him off his horse, literally, and then blinds him and tells him, hey, bro, stop it. You're persecuting my church. If you don't stop it, I'm going to kill you. Like, he threatens him. Paul says, you know what? I surrender. Give me Jesus or death. I'll take them both, Jesus and death, because I'll die for you now. That's what he does. See, the, the, the greatest vile and evil you may be doing or have done, Jesus is still seeking you. He's already been punished for you. He wants to adopt you. He wants to bring you into the family. He's not afraid of people who destroy the church. He wants to convert them and make them pastors in the church. But he does say this, I, I love my church so much that you need to see the tenacity that I have against those who, who, who would seek to dis- divide the church and, and, and who, those who would seek to disrupt the church, those who would seek to harm the church. Hey, I'm the king over this kingdom. I will step down off my throne and go to battle. That's what the king says. So, number two on this, Jesus loves his church, therefore, you should be really excited and really encouraged because he loves the church so much that he will bless her and cause her to succeed. He even says himself, the gates of hell can't stop it. When the the kingdom of heaven charges the gates of hell, the gates of hell will fall. So, we should be about the kingdom building. Why? We shouldn't be about destroying the kingdom, but building the kingdom. Jesus loves his church, therefore we build his church. We build his kingdom. Jesus loves his church, therefore we we go straight up against the gates of hell, seeking to rescue and redeem those who are behind the enemy lines, behind the gates, welcoming them into Christ's family through faith and repentance in Jesus. So what he's doing is he's, he's, he's using this imagery and he's likening this church, to our, our church, to, to a building, a temple. And he's evoking the imagery of Solomon's temple in the Old Testament, which was destroyed. It was destroyed. It was the temple which King Solomon built for the presence of God. And, and so what he is saying is just as God eventually destroyed the Babylonians who destroyed Solomon's temple, you got to take Jesus' church seriously. You can't stop it. Jesus will continue to move in power, have great courage, but he does want to clear up some things in this congregation that they're making, they're, they're, they're making teams, they're starting divisions. Don't do that. Be unified. Be on the same mission, Jesus' mission. Don't seek to destroy the church. Seek to build it, play a part in it. But we must build the church God's way. Build the church God's way. Verse 18 through 23, he says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone thinks that he is wise in, his own, uh, in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is, is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows uh, the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. He's talking about being wise, people who think that they're wise apart from God. And we've, we've talked about that in some past sermons. He says this, this is the refrain. So let no one boast in men. For, all these, for in all these things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. 
So he said, build the church God's way. He's contrasting worldly wisdom to godly wisdom. Use God's wisdom, God's architectural plan, God's blueprint, the way, the way God t- tells you to handle your emotions, the way the Spirit of God is supposed to govern your, your, your heart and mind. Do things God's way. And if you want to know what, what are God's ways, it's, it's this. It's, it's God's Word. He's revealed. He, this is His way. We do things God's way. We build the kingdom God's way. So that, like he says, the boast, our boast will be in God. It will be in God. It will not be in man. It will not be in you. It will not be in me. We will not rob God the glory due his name. The boast will be in him. When we do things God's way, what you find is through the scriptures that sometimes when God says, hey, I need you to go this way. You're going to fight this battle. And here's what you're going to do. You have a bunch of people. I need you to shrink down the numbers. Well, that army's really big. I know, even smaller. How about let's just get 300 of you, and there's a bunch of them, and like, you're really, you're, it looks like you're going to lose. You're like, yeah, why are we going to do this, God? It's because it's my way. Okay, what happens? When you do things God's way, you win. They, they won. In, in the Old Testament, in battles, when they did things God's way, even when it looked crazy, they prevailed. But when they tried to do things their own way, guess what? They didn't. New Testament's no different. We build his kingdom his way or we don't build it all. That's what we do. We build the kingdom his way. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, the wisdom of the world is, is futile. God's wisdom is better. Do things God's way. That's where the reward is. So we, we look, the point is, through all that we're doing here at the church, we're trying to build Jesus' kingdom here in San Antonio. We'll be an outpost for kingdom, the kingdom. We're one outpost among many in this city. But at the end of this, at the end of our life, we want to look back and we want to go, it wasn't me who did it. Clearly, it wasn't us who did it. God did something. God did something. Like, why do we, you ask, why do we do what we do? It's well, because we want everyone to know that it's God who's doing something. It's not us. The boasting cannot be in us, but in God. So verse 23, or verse 22 through 23, he says that, that all these things are yours. He says, we are Christ's. What he is saying here is that there's a great security for the church, that you're blood-bought, you're secured, King Jesus has you. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And these, all these that are yours in verse 21 and in verse 22, all are yours. What he's saying is that Jesus owns it all. It's all Jesus's and you're part of his kingdom. It's all, Jesus owns it all. He's the king and he's given you and I, given the church a mission to continue the mission that he gave to Adam and Eve to exercise dominion and rule in this life. We're the king's kids and the king's mission in, the, in this city and in this nation and around the world. That is the job of Jesus' church is to be about kingdom building, dominion, ruling, loving, serving, reigning, the, the reign of Christ being herald to all the earth. So that's what he's saying. It's all Jesus's. So just as he's taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, build the kingdom in San Antonio as it is in heaven. We live heaven down, not culture up. We build things God's way. We're about his kingdom. And we believe and trust that that will be rewarded in this life and the life to come because the text tell, tells us. And so Jesus is about building his kingdom. He is about multiplying his kingdom. And you need to hear this, that the church of Jesus Christ globally has never decreased. The church of Jesus Christ globally has never decreased. It started with 12 dudes 
Then one dude said, I'm off the team. Read about it. Then it continued. 120 praying. Then thousands, one sermon. Then Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. It continued to spread. To this point in human history, there's been the church of Jesus is larger than it has ever been, and it will continue tomorrow. Actually, right now, someone probably just got saved somewhere, so it just got a little bigger. And tomorrow it'll grow, the next day it'll grow, the next day it will grow, the next day it'll grow, the next day it will grow. The gates of hell cannot stop the kingdom of God advancing. The question is, do you want to play a part in it? Do you want to be about building? Do you want to be about seeing the lost saved, the, 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 the Christian matured, sanctified, grown up in their faith, using their faith to, to pray, using their faith to give, using their faith to serve, using their faith to, to build with gold, with, with silver, with precious stones, seeing folks who are building with straw, hay, and things that are foolish and fleeting for their own glory, calling them to repentance. Hey, bro, you're a Christian, but do things God's way. Let's build the kingdom God's way. Let's establish the kingdoms God's way. We are standing on the foundation of Jesus. Let's build things for Jesus. Build it like Jesus for Jesus' glory, for his renown. We have the promise that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Therefore, we know that he is going to mature us. We, we know he's going to establish us. We know he's going to build us. And we know that he's going to continue to multiply his church. The question for you and I is what part do we want to play? Will you be about building or will you sit on the sidelines and watch everyone else build? The question is yours. Let's pray. Jesus, as we respond, may we, may we see that if we are in Christ, there's no condemnation. This is just opportunity now. We have the opportunity to work alongside you to establish something eternal in the lives of people and the hearts of people. See people go from darkness to light. Someone did that for us, Lord Jesus. We have faith because someone shared the gospel with us. We are matured in our faith because someone continued to water that seed that was planted and growing. We continue to have hope because folks have come around us. May we now see ourselves as sent-out, kingdom-building people. We still need maturity. We still need edification. We still need encouragement. We still need rebuking. We still need uplifting. We still need it all. But we also can be about building the kingdom as well. May we not sit on the sidelines. May we live and work and act according to your spirit. May we be a people who give generously, pray honestly and often. Serve your kingdom with all of our heart, mind, and strength. And Jesus, would you do something far more abundantly than we can even ask or imagine? As we respond, may we do so in a posture of worship and, and, and be strengthened to go to do the good works that you've, you've prepared in advance for us to do this week. In Christ's name, amen.